welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. So, welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today we have a pretty packed show. We've got some our usual suspects, some literary news, some backlist books, what we've been reading, and where you can find the voting so that you can help us set our bracket for our March Madness reading event, our second annual, bringing something back that we did last year that people seem to really enjoy. So uh, we should just go on and we should just get started. Gail, what have you been up to on the reading front? It's been sort of a, a busy week in terms of a lot of other stuff going on outside of my reading and my podcast. So um, I have just finished the the two books that I discussed last time we were last time we talked, I finished both of those and I started two new ones. So on the ones I finished, I finished the cactus league by Emily Nemens, which is the book about baseball that Jay Ryan straddle mentioned when he was on the show. And I really, really, really liked it. I think I mentioned when we talked last that I was enjoying it, but it's, I finished it and I really liked it. It is told in a style I really like where every chapter is about a different person. And in the end, they sort of all loosely come together, which is funny because that's exactly how the style of Kitchens of the Great Midwest was. So it's interesting that, I guess it's not a coincidence that he blurbed the book and, you know, is has been, I, I know he's hosting an event with her in California because their books are really similar. But I just, I really liked it. It definitely felt like literary fiction. It wasn't like a, a sports book. The sports was kind of the <clears throat> the context and the backdrop, but I really liked it. And for people who ask whether you need to be a baseball fan to enjoy it, I can't answer that because I am a huge baseball fan. Hard for me to separate it out, but I think that I would have liked it if I hadn't been. And there is definitely some inside baseball <laughs> terminology and there's things that might be either confusing or you might sort of gloss over, but there's definitely enough there. There's a lot of unrelated stuff and, and character development and uh, outside plot that I think, I think that you could definitely enjoy it if you weren't a baseball fan. So that was a five-star read for me. I really liked it. And then I finished Dear Edward, which I had been doing on audio and it was weird. It's one of those books where I felt like when I would read it in print, because sometimes I would alternate, I liked it better than the audio. There was something about the audio that made me not like the book as much. And it improved my feelings about the book improved whenever I would pick it up. So I don't know if the audio sounded simplistic or something about it just didn't work for me. And the print was better. I, it still was not like a, a perfect book and I haven't, I haven't reviewed it yet. So I haven't given it a rating, but I think I'd give it like a three and a half. Like it, it was, engaging. It kept me interested. It's a you know story about a plane crash and there's a 12-year-old boy is the only survivor. So that's like a compelling plot. It's something that you you hear that plot and you're like, ooh, that, I want to learn more. And there were some interesting parts of it and I, I don't know, but it just had some flaws. So I would say if if you're thinking about picking up Dear Edward, don't, don't do the audio because for whatever reason that just didn't, didn't click for me. Anyway, that book is done. And then I started my book club book for my In Real Life book club, 
which is a nearly normal family by MT. What is his last name? It's like Edwardson or something like that. It takes place in, I think it takes place in Sweden. I've like, I'm like 15 pages into that, but so far it's good. Like it, it grabbed me right away. And I also picked up on audio, a book that just came out called when we were Vikings. I think it came out at the end of January. And that is a book about a sister and a brother. They're living together because their parents are dead. She was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. And I think it's going to be a book about a lot of hardship that the two of them face and how they get past it. Cause she's got some, you know, she's different because she was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. And I think that it is been, it's been compared to like Eleanor Oliphant as far as the narration. And uh, I don't know, it's, I, the reviews are really good. So hopefully that will be promising too. Sounds good. You had mentioned, I think you, you had mentioned that one in the preview. So I think you're right. I did. So I had that sitting on my shelf since Book Expo. So I was excited to to dust it off and give it a try. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I think you mentioned it. I was just running around so hectically. You did a book purge. How'd that go? Oh, I did a huge book purge. Um, it was great. I got rid of a lot of stuff that's been sitting on the shelf forever. And then some stuff from book expo from last year that I was like, I'm never going to read this. So it was two huge boxes of books. And I put a lot of it on the various swap sites. And I would say I had maybe six or seven successful swaps where I got books I was looking for and the rest I donated to the library and it felt really good. So I still have gazillions of books here, but it was a start. Yeah, I have to do another purge. I've purged so much that everything that I have, I feel like are books that I really thought I would like and and want to read. But I do think some of them are approaching the expiration date where it's like, okay, you've had this for a really long time. And it's just it just may not happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not meant to be. Right. It's just like, I will have to recommit at another time. If I'm, if I'm just suddenly driven to read this book, I will have to reacquire it. But there's, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's quite a few things that I feel like if I never saw again, it would just, it would not make a difference. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like of those, I don't know, hundred books I got rid of, maybe it was less. um, I haven't thought a single minute about any one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Just... I'm I'm kind of just glad they're gone. So, yeah. But I, I really do enjoy the book swaps. And I did get some stuff that I wanted. And what I actually, did you get? Do you remember? I want to know. What did I get? Um, what have you been looking for? Yeah. Well, I just got one. Actually, I mailed a book out yesterday. Oh, I got the new Rebecca Searle, who wrote The Dinner List, which I didn't actually love that much. But... She has a new book coming out called In Five Years. So I just swapped, actually, I swapped my arc of the Cactus League for that because I got the finished copy of the Cactus League in the mail. So I didn't need the arc anymore. So I swapped that. Um, yeah, God, what are some of the other things that I got? I'll have to, um, I can look them up in my Facebook Messenger because that's how I usually <laughs> can, well, communicate with people. I'll- I'll remind you how about I'll remind you next week. I'm going to put it on the okay. list that Gail has to tell us all of the books that she 
Yeah, what that's what I, that I was trying to get. I can remember a few of them. I really wanted the gifted school, which I got. Um, yeah, I think I got that from Book of the Month. Oh, you did? Okay. Did you read it? Mm-hmm. Not yet. No. Yeah. I haven't yet to read a single book I've gotten from Book of the Month. I need to start doing that. Talk I about have that. gotten... Right. We should talk about that. Yeah. My track record for reading Book of the Month books... Actually, I'm reading one right now. So I just started Lot by Brian Washington, which is a book of short stories. And I think because I've been reading so many essays, I am more open to reading some short stories. These are primarily, I think, set in Houston. Yeah, I think they're primarily set in Houston. And it's about a boy who's the son of a Black mother, and he has a Latino father. And it's all about the different people that he meets in the neighborhood that he live, he lives in. So it's a lot of neighborhood stories. Uh, I'm not far along enough to know if they're going to be connected, but they are, it seems like they're all centered in the same area and community. I don't know if I've met the the main character who runs a thread through that, but I'm reading that. So that is a book that I got from, from book of the month. So. <laughs> okay. So you're reading one. That's good. I'm reading one. Um, what did you swap for in February? I mean, what did you pick for book of the month in February? So I picked the girl with the louding voice. And that was one of the books that I mentioned on the winter book preview, and I picked it as well. So we um, once we again. failed failed again, <laughs> but <laughs> it's okay. And maybe when we do this, they'll you know maybe it just automatically gets added to the book club list. <laughs> yeah, I since think we both have it, I think that's a good call. Um, all right, some of the books I swapped for uh, this last time around: uh, Long Bright River, City of City of Girls. The River. Is that what it's called? That The River? Is that the other one? By Peter Heller? Yeah. Um, if Only I Could Tell You, which was <clears throat> one point a book of the month book. The House Girl, which was the other book by Tara Conklin that I think we mentioned on the show last week. And then sometimes what happens when you do these swaps is people will offer to pay for shipping. They'll say, well, I don't have any, you know, if you can't find a book that, that they have that you want they will ask if you will send it to them and they'll pick up shipping. And I did that for a fair amount too, because it makes me happy to know that these books are getting in the hands of people who want them as opposed to right. some, you know, library sale where they may or may not ever get picked or put out. And actually I'm kind of curious about this with the library sales. I don't know if they can sell some of them because they're arcs. And I know that you're not allowed to sell an arc. And I don't know if that, you know, if that's enforced or if a lot, if a library, abides by that or if they'll put it up for a dollar i have no idea you know there's probably no one policing that probably not i probably sent out eight or ten books just for just people would venmo me you know four bucks and then i would send it out so that's how a lot of them found new homes as well so queenie which i got from book of the month and i cannot find that book to save my life i'm going to have to to get it (laughs) somewhere so still haven't read Queenie. It's I just got the girl with the louding voice. I looked at Moran Popke's topics of conversation. I side-eyed it real hard, thought about reading it, but haven't started reading it yet. So do you have that at home? Or would that have been which, like an add-on for you? Which one? Topics of conversation. Uh, I think it was the one I got in January. Yeah. Okay, same. It was the one I got too. <laughs> I haven't yeah. read it yet. It was it was our other fail. Yeah. I've read read things about that. 
I've read a couple of reviews of people who are like, this was, this was, uh, unusual and hard to follow. Ooh. Yeah. I'm still kind of intrigued by it though. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. I don't know. It kind of reminds me the structure of it feels like it might be like a Jenny awful book. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, this month, I, I sort of made a decision and, and we can, we can table this until we get to book news or we could talk about it now was, you know, I was tempted by American dirt and then I've just, the, the intensity of debate over this book has increased a lot, even since we last talked about it last week, the publisher came out with a statement saying, uh, you know, we, we were taken by surprise with the reaction to this book you know, they sort of stand by the author and who and her her many years effort to write it. They said that they would, um, but that they were taking the the criticism very seriously and that they were going to investigate their own, I guess, hire like an independent entity to come in and and assess their represent the representation of um, Latin Latinx authors. Uh, you know, that they're publishing diverse authors, that they're really going to like do some soul searching about how they pick their authors and, and, and if they're representing, you know, diversity, but then the statement that really got them into even more trouble, <laughs> was they were saying how they were going to cancel the rest of her book tour because of threats of violence against the bookstores and the author and I guess even maybe even some people who've reviewed the book and that really sparked even more controversy because people felt like, you know, you're now you're calling um, the people critics, who were, yeah, the critics of, of this, this book, book violent, like, the, like right. the book, book people are violent and they're going to come right. and do harm to this author. Like, I feel like as controversial as things were, it just got that much worse this week. And so, you know, I know there's been a lot of criticism of Oprah and 121 authors have signed a petition for Oprah to not support this book, which of course it's too late. I think it's up to 130. Oh, wow. So a lot of authors have signed it and not just Latin authors, but a huge groundswell of authors. And then I learned last night talking to a friend of mine that Stephen King got into the debate and he tweeted something about Oh my gosh. The author, and now a lot of people are going after Stephen King. And so it's just, I don't know. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to support this book right now. Like I just, I know. Oh, and then Ron Charles guest on our podcast and Washington post book critic, he wrote a review of, he well, he wrote a big column about the controversy and he was like, this is a melodramatic thriller. It's not even that good. And I just was like, that's no. funny because you know as people have been talking about this book i thought about what we when we read the farm and you know it's like an issues book it seems really good in theory but it turns out to be a thriller and it wasn't that great i read this article on slate that you know it talked to a bunch of people from publishing anonymously because everyone's scared to death to say anything with their name attached to it but it was just talking about how this would not even be a big deal if they were not marketing it as like the be all and the end all about this topic. You know, they're calling it the grapes of wrath. I think they were mm. really kind of positioning it as a literary fiction book. And, you know, critics care more about literary fiction books. The comparison 
to how this could have been handled, they compared it to The Help, which was also an Amy Einhorn book. So Amy Einhorn acquired this book um, for Flatiron. I think she does something else at Macmillan. I don't even think she's with this particular imprint anymore. But The Help, it was it was acknowledged as a commercial book. No one really thought too much about it. I think The Help didn't become controversial until the movie was made of it. And then people started taking a look at why is this book so big and finding it to be problematic in some of the same ways that American Dirt is. So uh, this article just talked about how really they, if they marketed it so poorly, I mean, and the, and then the book party with the barbed wire decorations. and Yeah. Just, oh yeah. Uh, that sounded awful. So what they had like barbed wire centerpieces or something. Right. Good. Yeah. Anyway, so I stayed away from that one in Book of the Month. And the Greer, Hendricks, um, Sarah Peckinen. Sarah Peckinen book looks good. And I I just kind of Sarah figured I Sarah recommended it for them. I know. I kind of figured I could get that book another way. Like enough pe- – I figured a lot of people would pick that. So like in a month, there'll be a ton of them on like the swap sites. And – or I can just get it from St. Martin's Press. So – I've I, never read the second of those. I don't know. I feel like I'm fatigued on yeah. the dual women's stories or whatever. They're yeah, married I never to the same the man. One connected. Actually, yeah. but that one was supposed to be different. Now that I think about it, I think that was supposed to be about a study gone wrong. Oh, yeah, the an- anonymous like, girl. Right. So maybe I, I will read that one. Yeah. I don't know. I just was like, I could I'm I probably could get painting all their books with the same brush at this point. But yeah, I think I think that's fair. And then uh, I don't even remember what the other ones were, but the girl with a louding voice just sounded really good. So I was like, that's it. Yeah. I thought it sounded good too. So so wait, have we even covered what you're reading? Have I been talking all this time? <laughs> no, we've been, it's been back and forth. Like, you yeah. know, inquiring minds want to know, I would be remiss if I did not get for our listeners what books you have been swapping for. So, okay. Now I feel like that has, that's complete. I mentioned Lot, which is a book that I got from the book of the month that I've been reading uh, by Brian Stevens. I also am reading You by Carolyn Kepnes. Like I watched the Netflix series. Uh, I first heard about You when the audio book came out and people were just flipping out on over what a good job the audiobook narrator did. And I think that people had their feelings about Joe at that point, you know, just really identifying with this psychotic sort of stalker guy. And I watched the Netflix series. I'm halfway through the second season of it. And as, as terrible as Joe is in the series, I feel like the book is even worse because I think in the, I mean, it's just different. It's not as concentrated. I feel like all of his, his vileness is just concentrated and always in your ear. But anyway, I'm reading this for my book club decided that we wanted to do a tainted love or problematic love theme for February. So that is what we're reading. Mm. And like that you weren't like a romantic love. You wanted like a right. love. That's awesome. <laughs> So we'll probably share our tainted love stories. Hopefully no one has been stalked or has been through anything too terrible, but I think that's 
part of what will drive the discussion. And uh, and I also started Dead to Her by Sarah Pinborough. Um, I had mentioned that, I think, on the Winter Book Preview as well. And this one is about, it's about competitive business people. Like this older gentleman owns a company and he is on the verge of retiring. I think his wife has just died from cancer. So he spends some time in London recovering. And he has left his company. It's basically being run by a younger man who um, is is married to his second wife, who is very, I guess, aware of their place in society or her place being that she was the second wife and she married him because he was cheating on his first wife. So anyway, the older gentleman comes back and he has married this hot young thing and seems like that woman is making eyes at her husband and it does not seem like she's going to take that line down. So that's mm. what that's about. Okay. And I'm listening to Sing Unburied Thing by Jasmine Ward, which I feel like we discussed with Ron Charles. Um, he, yep. I think his wife had read the audiobook, so she really recommended the audiobooks. So I'm start, I just started that one. Oh yeah. I remember she did. He did mention that. So that's that. So we discussed uh, the continuing American dirt scandal. Once, yeah, once people started saying it just wasn't that good and that it has been mismarketed, I mean, it, I think it was more appealing when it was like literary. If yeah. it's just, if it's commercial, I'm not as interested. I mean, I think the interesting thing about this whole scandal is that it is uh, bringing out again that publishing is still so very white and you know, a lot of books and a lot of the marketing and a lot of, of the thinking about how people are going to receive receive these works is focused, you know, is, is focused through a white lens majority. I think yeah. it's something like it's 80% white in publishing. I mean, salaries in publishing, especially when you start out, are still so low and they can be a barrier for people who are not you know, just financially able to to support themselves with that kind of work and the amount of time it takes where you even get to make a decent salary. You know, a lot of people can't make that investment. I certainly couldn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I came out of school, uh, publishing was just, it was not a thing that was going to happen. There was no way. Yeah. I mean, starting salaries were not even $30,000. I wanted to, you know, I was from New York, knew I wanted to live here. So when um, I graduated from college, I'm not going to say the year because it's embarrassing. Um, I was looking at jobs in advertising and jobs in publishing. And I think there was a random house job that I was trying to get. And I think it paid 18. Whew. And advertising wasn't much better. It was like five, $5,000 more. I think it was, I think my starting salary was 23 when I started on advertising. <laughs> I was trying to live in New York on that. It was so hard. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to try. <laughs> it was like yeah. there's no way. Yeah. Um yeah, so there there's this Lee and Lowe study that shows the breakdown, how it's mostly straight white women, I think, and you know, depressingly of such a tremendously female dominated industry, most of the VPs, presidents, publishers are men. Mm -hmm. Lots of work. Lots of work to be done. Similarly, the new controversy 
that I'm hearing is about a book that I've already read, which I said was going to be, people were going to be really talking about it. I didn't think it was going to be for this reason, but it is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. So um, I, I guess tweets, which is, it seems like where everything starts <laughs> these days in the literary world, tweets are going around that her book is remarkably similar to a memoir that was published on a small press in 2014 called Excavation. Uh, and it was also by a Latina author who had tried to shop her work around and was told that there was not a market for it. And so she she published it on a small press. And I guess Kate Elizabeth Russell has referenced that this book was was one of the sources that she read. You know, she listed 50 other books that she read, but uh, whether it was plagiarized or, you know, like they, she's saying that there are some similarities. I think the bigger highlight of all of that is that these books are, white women are able to publish these books and women of color are told that there is no market for it. Or I've read the book. It would be, I thought it would, it read like three women, like a story from three women, I think with sexual assault and just so many of these experiences being so shared and communal that it would be hard to hard to say that it was copied. I think that she mm-hmm. is talking about some things in the structure. The abuse happened when she was 15. It's same in, in My Dark Vanessa. Uh, I think she takes an alternating perspective and reevaluates how it affected her. I mean... I haven't done a lot of reading on it, so I don't want to talk about it at length because I've only read one of the books. Yeah. Um, I haven't even heard of this yet. Yeah. Breaking news, Gail. We're on the <laughs> cutting edge <of> scandal. <laughs> right. And then remember, there was a JoJo Moyes one last year mm-hmm. on The Giver of Stars, which mm-hmm. I did not. It was a DNF for me. I could not get into that book. I was so oh, bored. Really? Yes. Oh, that's good to know. I've got and then I was there. reading the cre- critiques of the book side by side. And I just, I feel like the things that they, the author felt like were plagiarized were just so generic for what would have been available about the time period that I just did not, you know, I haven't read the other book. I didn't finish the, um, the giver of stars, but I just didn't feel that if I had read both, it, it seemed like the similarities were not, we're just, I don't know, kind of lazy research, you know, just taking the same facts from, because they're such specific books, like they're about these pack horse librarians in Kentucky in, I want to say the late 1800s, early 1900s. So I guess the details or the examples that I felt were used were ones that, you know, if you're researching some periodical that was back then you might seize upon the same details, but yeah, it's hard to know. All right. Well, lots going on in the book world. Let's tell readers about what's going on in our world. All right. So we have a March, our March madness, uh, reading event, which we did last year where Gail and I pitted all of the books that we had read in common, against each other to see what was going to be number one. And we kind of did it impromptu spur of the moment. We had an idea and put it together very quickly. And as a result, <laughs> we did not it, do a good job of seeding the 
the we rounds. Didn't, yeah, we didn't do a got, good job of seeding the rounds. Things that really should have might have been more competitive than other things were just knocked out really early. And then we had two books that were that we just really could not make a choice between. <laughs> we did a coin flip. <laughs> so by coin flip, American Marriage won over The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. We're hoping right. to avoid that this year. So this year, what we intend to do is we have listed, uh, I think, in one of the previous episodes, if you go to the show note on the blog, because you can't do it from, you can't do it from Apple, um, because I think it cuts off what you can put in there. But if you go to the blog, there is a list of the 20, I think there's 24 books that we read in common and how I picked this were they're all books that we read in 2019. I believe they're all fiction and we had to have read them in the same calendar year. So if we had read them in different years, they did not count. Actually, I don't even think it's 24. I think it's 16. So those books, such a fun age, ask again. Yes. The nickel boys, three women, the real Michael Swan, the travelers, Trust Exercise, Where the Crawdad Sings, The Farm, The Body in Question, A Woman is No Man, Golden Child, Adele, Be- uh, Becoming. So that's our only nonfiction book. And Daisy Jones and the Six. So those are the books that Gail and I both read at some point in 2019. And what we would like to do is have our readers help us see these books. So um, attached in these show notes, there will be a link to uh, a poll where you can select your, why don't we say top 10 books? And then that way we can get some idea of what the seating will, will go. So whatever is the most voted as the number one book will be the highest seed. And then we'll go on down through to what got the least votes for the lowest seed and Arch Madness style Number one, we'll go up against number 16 and we'll see, you know, and then we'll, we will winnow and see how we do. Good. I'm, I'm surprised we read so many books in common. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Well, I think the book, I mean, we, we, we had 10 to 12 just from doing book clubs. Yeah, that makes sense. Book clubs and books that we commonly, commonly wanted to read yeah. were the ones that we did. Yeah. So Becoming is the only nonfiction. Oh, no, actually, it's not. Three Women is, is nonfiction as well. I'm looking but forward to this. It's definitely showing our bias for fiction. Yeah. Showing female our authors. Bias, <laughs> female authors. And mm, I don't know. This book, this list is not necessarily very lit- literary, but which is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm, okay. Backlist books? Sure. Okay. All right. So I picked a backlist book that I'm worried I might have done before on the show, but I'm going to do it again. I can't I feel remember like what I've I, done that before. I know. It's like you look back at the books you like. We need a list. We need a list. We're trying um, to get more organized. I'm, yeah. I'm working on that for the site. <laughs> like a list of our backlist books, um, a book club landing page, a guest landing page. And uh, I don't know. That's all I can think of for now. Yeah. Well, life gets in the way. Um, okay, so I picked a book by one of my favorite authors, Jennifer Haig. Do you know, did I talk about Mrs. Kimball before? 
as a backup? I don't, I don't think so. I think okay. you just mentioned it in passing. Okay. So I think Mrs. Kimball was my first Jennifer Haig. So that was my, my entryway to the wonderful world of Jennifer Haig. And this is a book about three women that all married the same man. His name is Ken Kimball. And um, so the book is titled Mrs. Kimball. And it's all about these three women who were each married to him at different times. It's not a, it's not a polygamy book. And um, he marries them at different parts of his life. And he's kind of a jerk, but the book delves into what made each of these women fall for him and then talks about what their lives were like when they were with him. And like most Jennifer Haig books, there's a lot of sorrow in it. I mean, she's not a bright, happy writer. She's definitely writes about sad and difficult things. And um, what's interesting is that he, as a man, is a bit of a chameleon. So he changes his personality depending on who he's with. So these three women are very different and why they're with him are very different reasons. But um, I just, I, I like anything she writes and this was a great book. So it's like most Jennifer Haig, it's very spare. Like you sort of like hang on every word because she doles out her plot and her details so, so slowly and very, she's very um, conservative in how she, shares. And so, uh, you're just, you, you're like propelled to keep reading. So I really enjoyed it. And I read this book in 2008. <laughs> That's 12 years ago. So I would, I would consider reading this book again. I liked it a lot. Yeah. One of my goals for this year is to reread a book every two months. I do want to work some more hmm. rereading in so I didn't do it in January. So now I have to figure out what mm -hmm. I want to reread for February. I think I might do Red at the Bone, even though I've read it pretty recently. Um, so my backlist book is a book called Beside Myself by Anne Morgan. It is about identical twin sisters and it is about identity theft. I really like this book because it was so well written and it was just, it, makes you consider a lot about how you are treated and how it informs your personality and who you are. Like these, tw uh, these sisters are identical, but they don't get identical treatment within their family. And it causes, you know, it, one just has a very difficult life. Like she has difficulty in school. She has difficult relationships. Um, and her sister is the favorite child. So even though they're identical, there are all these issues between them. And then one starts to steal the other's identity. Mm. So. Sounds good. It's riveting. It's a psychological thriller. Um, but it's a psychological thriller that is satisfying at the end. Like I, it wasn't just, you know, how psycholo psychological thrillers at the end can just unravel very quickly mm -hmm. and you just have so many questions. Mm -hmm. This wasn't like this. This was satisfying all the way through. And Gail, with your interest in twins, I would recommend this for you. Yeah, it sounds good. I've never heard came of it before. In, That's in uh, 2015. Okay. It was pre-podcast. Yeah. That is pre-podcast. So Gail and I each picked three books that we wanted to share for in honor of Black History Month. Uh, if you're looking for anything to read to finish out the month, we're 
picking, they have a long list, but we each agreed to pick three of our favorites to share. So Gail, why don't you start with one? Okay. So the book I want to start with is Homegoing by Yaa Jesse. Homegoing, and we've talked about this on the show before, but I, it just was the first book I thought of when I started thinking about this list. And this is a book about two sisters who are born in Ghana. And um, they, she tells the story, each chapter represents a new generation. And she tells the parallel stories of what happens to the descendants of one sister and what happens to the descendants of the other sister. One sister stays in Ghana and one sister is put on a slave ship to the United States. And so, you know, the book traces the next couple hundred years through the sisters and through the people who come after them. And it's, it is a difficult book, um, but the subject matter can be very difficult. And it's also just a, a challenging book to follow because you have to constantly remember which thread you're in, which time of year you're in, and know and sort of remember what came before and then piece it to what comes after. It's a little bit of a puzzle. So it's a it's a it's a complicated construction, but a really, really good book and a very worthwhile read and certainly one that I learned a lot from and that has kind of stayed with me since I read it. So that is homegoing. She is actually, she's American. Yeah, Jesse lives in the United States and I think was born in the United States, but um, she was tracing her heritage back and then bringing it up to the present day. And I, I just thought she did a great job with it. I have that on my shelf. It's one that I will not purge because I want to read that. Okay, good. So my pick is Passing by Nella Larson. She's a Harlem Renaissance writer that I don't know that a lot of people have heard of. And she write she wrote this book. I may read that. I may reread that this year too. She wrote a book about two um, African American women who are light skinned. One of the um, they're both light skinned enough to pass for white. So one does that, and she is married to like her husband is this racist man that she's married and she has severed all ties with her family in order to be able to pass as white. And the other woman is similarly, similarly could pass, but she has decided to live within the African American community. And these women's are friends and they run into each other in passing and sort of, I guess, rekindle a friendship. It's of course, it's very uneasy because one is living in a world where she, you know, her husband is a racist. Um, and I think the book is probably set in Harlem Renaissance was like the 1930s. So we're, it's not like it's modern day United States where it could still pose challenges, but would not be as difficult as back then. So these women sort of rekindle their relationship. One, the one who's been passing Um, or actually the one who is living with the African-American community. On the one hand, she is very enthralled with what this woman has done, but she's similarly appalled. And it's just sort of about how their meeting causes shockwaves and a a ripple effect through both of their lives. It's so good. Hmm. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about that one either. So we're doing a good job exposing new stuff today. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, okay. My second book is one I read a very long time ago called Jump at the Sun by Kim McLaren. It's a book about motherhood and it's about a woman who is um, a young mother with young kids. And she talks a lot about her background that her, you know, her grandmother and mother did not have a lot of money and had very different views towards parenthood and different kind of attitudes towards life, different outlooks. And she's now the third generation and she has a much more sort of comfortable existence than they did. And she has little kids, but it's really all about kind of the universal challenges of being a parent and how it, you know, regardless of what your economic circumstances are, you go through all that same stuff. You know, you resent your kids, you're angry at yourself for not being kinder, just, just all of the challenges that I think parents go through. And I, again, this is a book I read a long time ago, probably 10 years ago. And uh, I just I thought it was such an honest portrayal. And I really liked the way it threaded back the generations. So that book is called Jump at the Sun by Kim McLaren. Next one I want to talk about is an Ameri- is American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. Now, I read this book last year. I really liked it. It is about a woman who is living in the United States with her two sons. It begins with her, um, her house is broken into, and we learn that, and she, she kills a man. So she goes to the police. She requests reports the crime, I believe, but before they can question her, she takes her children and she flees to the French Caribbean island of Martinique, where she leaves them with her mother. And the story has the frame. It's told in this second person uh, she's writing or she's writing letters to her sons about the the decision she has made to leave them. She knows that she is going to have to deal with some unfinished business because she was a spy and um, events are posing a danger to her life with her children. So she knows that there are some issues that she has to resolve. And I feel like she's uncertain of when she will come, when, or if she will, will be able to come back. So she wants them to know who she was, how she felt about them, how she made the decisions she made, and who their father was. Uh, so yeah, it, it. I think that if you're expecting something that's fast-paced, I mean, it, it starts off with her fighting off an intruder, fighting off and killing an intruder, but it is more a slow literary fiction novel that explores the ambiguous relationship that she has with her mother, the ambiguous relationship that she has in working with the CIA and FBI. I believe this is set in the 1980s when she's working there. There are very few women there. There are very few black people there and just the isolation that she feels and just how she is attempting to reconcile her patriotism to a country that doesn't appreciate her, to an institution that overlooks her needs and and doesn't see her as whole, but still wanting to do the best that she can for her country and and reckoning with her parents who are also at some point spies. So that was a really good one. 
Okay. My third pick is one that we have talked about on the show before, especially because we love this author so much. Um, I've picked Silver Sparrow by Tayari Jones. And this is a book about a bigamist who lives in Atlanta in the 80s. And he has two families, one who he is his legitimate family, who he holds out to the public as his family, and then his secret family, which is a woman and her daughter. So he has a daughter with each of these women. And um, this book is about, it's funny, I've picked another book about two sisters. This is a book about the different lives that each sister lives and how they, you know, equally have claim to him, but their each of their circumstances is so different because his legitimate daughter is enjoys a lot of luxury and the benefit of his wealth, whereas the other secret one does not. So the story, inter- the two lives intersect throughout the book. And then there's a, obviously a, a kind of a, a collision that happens at the end where the books, the, the two, um, they find out about each other and how everything comes to light. So I liked this book quite a bit. And um, we are, as you mentioned earlier, big fans of American Marriage her later book. So if you liked American marriage, I would recommend going back and picking up Silver Sparrow. Yep. I second that. I really want to be a completist for Tyari Jones. I need to get on that. What are we, what do you miss? I've loved the, well, I've only read Silver Sparrow and American marriage, but she also wrote a book called leaving Atlanta, which I think is set around the time of the Atlanta child murders. It's, yeah, Atlanta around that time. And then she has this book called The Untelling. So I would have to read two books. Hmm. Okay. My final book that I'm going to talk about is recent. It is Signet Signet by Susan Butler. I read this, I think, in the spring. I really like this book because it was different. It's sort of dystopian. It's about this young woman who is sent to live on an island Um, that does not allow younger people to reside on the island. She goes as a guest of her grandmother. Her grandmother dies while she's visiting. So basically she's doing some housekeeping for one of the only, one of the other elders on the island, but her presence is much remarked upon. And, you know, they're very resentful of the fact that she is, is there and she's going to have to figure out what it is that she wants to do. So mainland United States is basically, you know, it's called the other place. It's falling apart. The island that they live on is just slowly crumbling and getting smaller and pieces of it are dropping into the ocean. So it's about the end of the world. It's about this young woman's isolation and how she has to find herself reconciling her past with, with the parents who have not, never really been stable and who have kind of left her in a bind when they leave her with her grandmother, you know, they have said that they're going to come back for her and she's trying to get in touch with them. So it is, it's just about this community and why the elders have decided that they want to live alone. I think you have to be like 70 in order to live on this Island and the, and the life they've created for themselves, why they've chosen to withdraw and what it's like for her coming of age in that isolation. Yeah. You talked about that book um, early last year. Mm-hmm. I read it last year. 
Yeah. Another book that's really good, I know I, I said that was my third and final one, is The Taste of Salt by Martha Southgate. I really love that book. Uh, she doesn't write a lot. She has another book, I think, that is set in boarding school that I want to read. She doesn't write a lot, and I think that might have been one of the last books that she wrote. And it's about this scientist who is estranged from her family, but she just discovers a crisis, and she is very like disconnected from the world. She doesn't really connect well emotionally. Her relationship is suffering because of it, and she decides... I guess in a way that she's trying to connect is she imagines the life history of each of her family members. Like she tries to get into their head and she tells the story from their perspective, but you're still, you still know that she has created all of these narratives in order to make sense of her life. And she does one for her brother who I believe is an alcoholic and, you know, she's estranged from, I guess estranged in the sense that she probably only sees her family once a year, but she's trying to, just navigate and find her place in the world and get some connection. It was just such a poignant story. She's such a good writer. Well, that's a lot of new books on the TBR. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we'll probably start talking more about the March Madness. And maybe, and maybe we'll go through our reading challenge prompts and yes. And stuff. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.